Greetings, and welcome to the Get Hiking Southeast podcast. I'm Joe Miller, and I'll be leading this adventure. Why me? Why am I at the front of the pack? Well, for the last decade or so, I've been leading hikes and backpack trips in the Southeast, and for nearly three decades, I've been writing about adventure in the region as a newspaper columnist, guidebook author, and as a blogger. Our focus in the Get Hiking Southeast podcast, telling the stories of the hikers and the trails, especially those lesser-known trails in the southeastern United States. This week, we take a quick look at volunteering and e-bikes. Now, what do they have in common, you wonder? They don't have anything in common, at least not as far as we know. We'll look at them separately this week. Volunteering first. Now, if you've recently tried to make campground reservations at the Bark Camp Campground in the George Washington National Forest to take advantage of some of the great hiking and fishing in southwest Virginia, well, you've likely been disappointed to learn that the campground is closed. COVID, you wonder? Actually, a lack of campground hosts. Ah, the campground host. That all-powerful soul, though often a couple, who keeps our state and federal campgrounds clean and orderly. Ideally, your host is a laid-back type who appreciates a good time, but also a good 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. curfew. Now, these are almost always volunteer positions, these campground hosts. What does the campground host get out of the deal? Well, free place to park his or her trailer, for starters, and the chance to spend the whole summer, or longer if they want. But, in various conversations with campground hosts I've had over the years, the main reason they do it, they just love hanging out with people. Now, I've seen two exceptions to this rule. One was a retired, I believe he was a retired uh, fella at a campground in the George Washington National Forest near Mount Rogers, who was about to call in backup, that is another uh, ranger, because our group had one more car than he thought we should have. And I put it that way, that he thought we should have, because I could find no mention of the maximum number of cars allowed at one group site in our reservation. The other example was a couple hosting at the Curtis Creek Campground in the Pisgah National Forest in North Carolina. They were available for one hour in the morning and one hour in the afternoon. Otherwise, they were locked in their trailer and only emerged if they saw you doing something illicit, like setting up a tent, even just a tiny little bit off the tent pad. Okay, we were guilty on that one. But for the most part, if you like people and you like camping, it appears to be a good gig. A gig you can have right now at the Bark Camp Campground in Southwest Virginia. Actually, you can have your choice of similar campground host gigs across the country because in this era of labor shortages, volunteer campground hosts also seem to be in short supply. So in addition to enforcing quiet hours, what does a campground host do? Well, for starters, you're the primary point of contact for campers. You're the face of the campground. You also deal with fee reminders. So typically, with most campgrounds, uh, especially in national forests, you drive into the campground, you find a spot that's open, a spot you like, you put your stuff down, you go back to the gate and pay for the site. Now, sometimes you get a little wrapped up in, in getting your camp set up and you forget to go back and pay, and so the campground host will swing by in his golf cart at some point and remind you about the fee, hence being a fee reminder. They also remind you about rules. Now, there's not a lot of rules in a campground, but, you know, the rules that they have, um, they like to enforce, like that 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. curfew. 
So they will, um, they'll be around to remind you of the rules if perhaps you've forgotten the rules. They're also responsible for light grounds maintenance, for garbage collection, for cleaning the restrooms, a little bit of a bummer there, and for something called use tracking, which I'm guessing has something to do with keeping tabs on what people are doing in the campground, what kind of um, activities they're participating in. So yeah, it's not all s'mores around the campfire. There's a lot of work to be done. But frankly, it seems like a pretty good job for a short period of time. You would, however, need to provide your own housing, typically in the form of a trailer or RV. Again, that's just one of numerous campground host opportunities and one of hundreds of overall volunteer opportunities you can find through volunteers.gov. We'll have the direct link to the Bark Camp Campground host position in our show notes. So maybe you weren't looking at the Bark Creek Campground as a base camp for hiking and fishing. Maybe you were looking at it as a base camp for riding your new e-bike. If you're familiar with e-bikes, it's likely with the first generation of cruisers slash hybridish bikes that uh, have an electric motor assist. Over the past several years, they've grown in popularity for around town recreation, but also as a great commuting option. Lately, though, there have emerged a new breed of e-bikes, off-road e-bikes. Some, most probably, resemble mountain bikes, but with a battery built into the down tube and a motor in the rear axle. Some have smaller wheels and a smaller frame, resembling more a mini bike of old, albeit with robust tires and bike gearing. For instance, the pedal all-wheel drive 2, which has a range of 60 to 75 miles on one charge and includes both a throttle and a Shimano 7-speed trigger shifter. And while the price tag of $28.50 for this particular bike might seem like a lot, that's about what you would expect to pay for an okay full-suspension non-motorized mountain bike. But I agree. I digress, for this isn't about e-bikes per se, but rather about their place on the trail in our national forests. Now, when any newfangled outdoor device, be it mountain bikes back in the 80s or drones within the past 10 years, comes on the scene, land managers must decide how to deal with them. And that's what the George Washington and Jefferson National Forests in Virginia are doing right now. In fact, they're currently requesting public input on just how e-bikes should be treated. Currently, e-bikes are considered motorized vehicles because they are self-propelled. That is, they have a motor or engine responsible for their locomotion, or in this case, at least partially responsible for said locomotion. Thus, they are not currently allowed on trails where motorized vehicles are verboten. In the George Washington and Jefferson National Forest, that means that they can only be ridden on about 1,655 miles of road, typically gravel roads, and 68 miles of trail already open to motorbikes, ATVs, and other forms of motorized vehicle. But again, a new technology demands new rules. If you have a thought on e-bike access to trails in national forests, you're advised to contact your local district office and share your thoughts. We'll have a list of those local district offices in Virginia in our show notes. And that's it for this week. We will return next week with a scouting report on a backpacking loop we're considering for one of our Intro to Backpacking classes. We'll explain our criteria for what makes a good first weekend for the newly minted backpacker and whether this particular route, the 12-mile Mount Pleasant National Scenic Area Loop, meets that criteria. That's our show for this week. I hope you liked it and that you'll be back. 
In the meantime, a reminder that the Get Hiking Southeast podcast is a part of the Get Hiking and Get Backpacking universe, where instead of just telling you about great places to go, we take you there. Coming up, we have, in August, in hot, steamy August, we will be exploring the cool waters of the Wilson Creek area of the Pisgah National Forest. This is a base camp backpack trip. We'll hike in a mile Friday afternoon and establish base camp near Huntfish Falls. Saturday, we'll hike the Lost Cove Trail and spend some time frolicking in the frosty waters of Grad Prong. Sunday, we head over to South Harper Falls and Harper Creek for more day hiking and water fun. That trip is August 6th through the 8th. In September, we head to the adjoining Joyce Kilmer Slick Rock and Sitico Creek Wilderness areas of western North Carolina and Tennessee for a four-day base camp trip. From the Big Fat Gap Trailhead, we'll hike in a mile and a half, set up camp, then explore the wild terrain of these joint wilderness areas on day hikes. This trip is September 16th through the 19th. We've scheduled two intro to backpacking classes in North Carolina for September. One trains at Morrow Mountain State Park, the other at Eno River State Park. Both do their graduation weekend at South Mountain State Park. Become a backpacker in time for the prime fall backpacking season. And at the end of July, we mix paddling and hiking on a weekend base camp escape to New River State Park in North Carolina. On Saturday, we paddle a five-mile stretch of the New River in the morning. That afternoon, we scale 4665-foot Mount Jefferson. On Sunday, we'll climb 5,520-foot Elk Knob for some pretty swell views of the mountains of North Carolina, Virginia, and Tennessee. That trip is July 30th through August 1st. All food is included with this trip. You can learn more about these adventures and everything else we do at GetHikingNC.com. Click on Explore With Us. If you like what we're doing here at the Get Hiking Southeast podcast, please do leave a review with the podcast vendor from whom you receive this weekly communication. And if you don't like it, or if you have some constructive criticism, or maybe a topic for an upcoming episode, drop us a line at joe at getgoingnc.com. Until we meet again, get out and explore.